Well, that was the opening music to El Vampiro, and it's uh, a Mexican movie uh, released in 1957, and, or 1958 in the United States, and it was directed by Fernando Mendez uh, from a story by Ramon Oban, and it stars... Uh, Abel Salazar, Adrian Walter, Carmen Monteo, um, Jose Luis Jimenez, and we can't forget Germain Robles as Count Carol de Lavoud Duval. No, he was he was an evil, well dressed vampire. Yeah, he was very well dressed. I liked his cape a lot. He, he, <laughs> he paid a lot for that uh, outfit. And this is the last of our movies uh, for October that are uh, horror slash science fiction slash supernatural movies. And we'll get this one out before Halloween next Saturday so we can enjoy it for that. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net or on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And I just want to say thank you to our patrons who have been with us now for... Have we been doing this for about a year? Yes, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. And I was just telling Bob... uh, I will be getting a new microphone, uh, probably not next week, but the week after. So uh, that'll be an upgrade. Yeah, I've really been pleased with mine. Um, and and uh, they've probably improved the one I have because I've had mine for uh, a while now. Every time I sit yeah. behind it, I think I'm Edward R. Murrow. It's got that big, <laughs> nice. it's got that big radio broadcaster look. Yeah, you got to get into the mood, you know. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm coming to you from rainy North Bend, where we're expecting a 100% chance of rain today. And this is Bob uh, Johnson in Los Angeles, where we're having very pleasant fall-like weather with a high today of probably 70, welcoming everyone back to El Vampiro. This is our first uh, foray into a Spanish film with no subtitles. And uh, I was <laughs> yeah. I was a little nervous about it when when we when I selected it because I when I was looking at it I just looked at the opening and I didn't really pay attention to the fact that it didn't have captions so we had to be creative and uh, thanks to Matt he found the complete dialogue script for the film which really helped but you know when we watched it when uh, when I watched it yesterday. After about 15 minutes, I really didn't need the script anymore. I could really follow the, the story, and I uh, couldn't believe I was actually recalling my Spanish class back in college. <laughs> and I, I would recognize between that and, and just kind of knowing the story, it was, it was fine. I loved the movie. I really did. It was, it was fun <laughs> and uh, that the uh, two the two vampires were believable and the the, the countryside looked uh, appropriate and they had some great sets. My question was though, 
Didn't the people that came to visit there think they needed to clean their house? They had cobwebs <laughs> all over the place. It was, it was yeah. quite, quite decrepit looking on the inside. Anyway. Well, that was uh, Marta was the character who was coming to visit, and it was her family home, and she was coming to visit because her aunt had died, and uh, she arrives on this train, and there's nobody there to give her a ride, and we kind of learn a little bit about the fact that not too many trains have been coming to town, and also people don't like to go out after night. But then there's this other guy there who is uh, a doctor who has been, we don't find out till about halfway through the movie maybe, that he's been summoned by the people that live at the um, house to come and take a look at what's going on there. And he's, he's Dr. Enrique, played by Abel Salazar, and he was kind of the... Um, the Van Helsing character to me, yeah, he, a little bit. As I as I watched it, he was the Richard Carlson of our U.S. horror and science fiction movies. You know, like Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> yeah, he had good intentions, totally. and he was he was quite quite uh, open to learning about things. And it was good that he had his medical bag with him because he used it a lot. Yeah, so he, uh, Doctor Enrique and Marta, get a, a ride most of the way back to the house by this guy who has come to pick up this box of dirt. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite, a, yeah. quite an, inter, an exchange. A dirt? They're bringing dirt here? We have dirt? What is up with that? Que tipo más feo? Sí, realmente no tiene cara de muñeco, ¿no? Vengo por esa caja. Aquí está el comprobante. Sí, está bien. Llévesela. ¿No les parece una puntada mandar traer tierra de Hungría? ¿Tierra? Pues que la de aquí no es buena, ¿o qué? Caprichitos de gente rica. Es para un tal señor Duval que vive por aquí desde hace unos 10 años. Para mí que está un poco tocado. Es un tipo muy raro que solamente se le ve de noche. Y usa una capa negra como la del tipo ese. Yeah, so that was, that was, it's like, huh, well that's not suspicious or anything. And then they get halfway, well they get most of the way to the, the estate and then the driver says well you'll have to walk the rest of the way and it's a totally dark foggy night and they've already been warned that people don't like to go out after night and they've also been being followed by um something but they're not quite sure what and he, and they don't they don't say much about that but they kind of show it in the film so you kind of get the idea that these two feel like they're being followed even though they haven't seen what it is that's following them yet and so then they have to walk to the estate and it's really moody it's like great some good set design i thought like you yeah. said with the cobwebs and the the decrepit nature of the estate and there was a lot of fog pretty much hanging around most of the time i thought the production value on it was was quite good it was, yeah. It was definitely, it was definitely really up there. Um, and it was a huge success in Mexico. People loved it. They flocked to see it. I think he went on to. I think uh, 
German Robles went on to play that that vampire character in a few other movies. Uh, um, let's see. I looked up some of that. He um, he lived to be eighty six, and he made uh, lots of lots of films um, and television shows. And he was the first of the vampire Draculas to show his fangs like he did. And I was reading where it was sort of uh, what uh, was used when uh, Christopher Lee played the Dracula. He he thought that was a great way to play it. And uh, this guy was perfect for the role. I mean, he was he was very suave, sophisticated, and he when he got down to business, he didn't fool around. He just went after his quarry, like when he yeah, flew was... out and got that one young man that was out late yeah that was pretty in, that was pretty uh intense i mean he went after this young kid he's probably like 12 years old um yeah I, I thought that was super interesting that this is the first vampire movie with the uh, sharp teeth that's cool and he did play the dracula character one other time right the next year so it's kind of a sequel to this i think and then uh, then, then he played Nostradamus in a movie called The Curse of Nostradamus, and I thought that movie looked really interesting. Oh, too. with the brush up on my Spanish even more. And he played Nostradamus in a few other movies. So now, now I'm now I want to go find those movies. <laughs> he was in film for for a long time. Uh, the article I read said that it was really the transition from the old Universal horror films, where Dracula, Bela Lugosi, never showed his teeth to the Hammer films of the 60s and 70s where those teeth were there all the time. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of similarities to the Hammer vampire movies. I thought the the way the sets were just perfectly lit and perfectly designed reminded me of the Hammer movies. Um, that was my only complaint about the movie, actually, was that I thought the sets were a little bit too well lit. You know, we needed more shadows and more mysterious corners of the screen where you could wonder if there's something there kind of like a night of the demon oh yeah that would have been great and a little more wind although there was some yeah. <laughs> there was some in, in a couple of the scenes I, you know i was looking i cannot locate uh the film studio that distributed this film it just doesn't show up in anything i looked at so far but uh i'm i'm sure that it did well, and I, I would guess they probably distributed throughout Latin, uh, Central America, and, and South America, and perhaps even Europe. So, yeah, I think it. Well, yeah, I think it was a big success. Um, so, we get to the estate, and and we meet. Uh, let's see, his name is uh, Marta. Uh, well, one of her aunts. Oh, oh, the uh, the vampire is, uh, aunt? is current is a vampire yeah so that's carmen monteo i think yes and she plays Elo El eloise uh eloisa she knew how to get and around I, I thought the special effects when she showed up were great boom she's there yeah she <laughs> yeah she had like all the vampire powers the only vampire power we didn't see in this movie was like turning into fog and and but she was able to disappear and reappear she was able to immediately turn into a bat and fly around um yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, and then her other, Maria Teresa, has is the one who has died. And so, but we find out that maybe not, because when when Marta is going to bed that night, that first night, the, this hideaway, this bookcase opens up in her room, and then this crazy-looking woman comes out and puts a, 
uh, crucifix on her bed. And I thought, huh, so that's strange. I wonder if that's the other aunt, you know? <laughs> I remember at the opening, they, uh, the opening scenes, they showed the burial in that crypt. And uh, she yeah. was in there. And then we find out that she's moving around. And more is revealed yeah, so, later. Yeah, so then you're wondering, well, is she a vampire? No, she can't be a vampire because she's putting the cross there, the crucifix. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely more going on than what we initially thought. And so then let's say they, uh, the other Dr. Enrique and uh, Marta sort of strike up a relationship and kind of start figuring out what's been going on on the in the in the uh, town and in the uh, house and there's this funny scene where (laughs) this is like such a classic vampire movie thing where they're going into this kind of library room and and Maria is explaining what's been going on about the fact that there's been rumors of a vampire and and then Dr. Enrique says, a vampire? And she goes, yes, a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. No saben cuánto lamento conocerlos en situación tan dolorosa. Dolorosa, sí. Y mucho. Aunque deberíamos alegrarnos de su muerte. ¿Por qué, tía? Tú no sabes lo que sufrió la pobrecita desde los últimos meses. ¿No es verdad, Emilio? Sí. En verdad, solo la muerte podía liberarla de la angustia terrible en que vivía. ¿De qué murió? De un colapso cardíaco. Pero desde hace cinco años estaba trastornada. ¿Loca? Sí. Con manía persecutoria. ¿Con miedo a qué? Vampiros. ¿Vampiros? Sí. And that's such a that's such a great thing. Like I love to see that in the vampire movies where the, nobody believes that there's there's a vampire, right? Even though the vampire is telling them that there's vampires. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wondered to myself, were the two vampires married in some strange yeah, I don't know. way hundreds of years before? These, well, be- they- well, because she's she's supposed to be her aunt, and she remembers growing up with her. But then again, she doesn't look like she's much older than Marta, right? Like, she's she hasn't aged in quite a while. And she might have been aunts to several people because she maybe lived for hundreds of years. As we know, oh, wow. you know, if they have the right dirt in their coffin... They can go on forever. Yeah, yeah well, and th- this movie puts a new wrinkle into the vampire myth that I hadn't ever seen before, which was there's like this this family of vampires around the world. And if one vampire dies alone, I think I'll get this right. If one vampire dies alone, it's possible to resurrect him if you bring dirt from the home country and and then do some ritual, but you can bring him back to life. And that's what the... that's what uh, uh, Duval Count uh, Lavoud was trying to do. That's why he had the dirt being brought in. He wanted to bring back his brother. Yeah, I I had never, I had never seen that in in any of the uh, other Dracula vampire films. They spend so much time with them, you know, going out and doing their business that we don't hear some of the backstory. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. And there's a there's a story in one of these books that is on this bookshelf, and, <laughs> yeah, and the book the book just mysteriously falls off the shelf and lands. And then Doctor Enrique picks it up and starts reading it. And it's, and he picks he opens it up exactly to the page with this story about uh, Duval's brother. <laughs> yeah, I think there's more to that because that book was trying to get off the book bookshelf 
two or three times during the filming, and I think it wanted to open up to that page. It was sort of like that script or scroll that was flying around in Night of the Demon that had a life of its own. I think this book had a life of its own. It needed for Dr. Enrique to read it. Yeah, you're right. No, totally. It, yeah. And there's no other explanation for it because there's no way that it could have just fallen off the bookcase like that. And so he does some late night reading. I can't imagine anything more exciting than say it's midnight and you're in a strange place and you're reading a book on vampires. I mean, wow. <laughs> and then and then we also find out another twist in the vampire myth, which is not not I don't think I've heard this one either exactly like this, but um Dr. Uh, so Count, Count Lavoud is is he, he has to bite the person twice. So if he bites Marta once, then she'll die. But then she has to bite. He has to bite her a second time in order to bring her back to life or something like that. I think I got that. Yeah, right. I think that in the in the translation in my head from Spanish to English, I may have missed a few things, but I think that's what I took away from it as well. Whatever he did, she did not die. She was in this deep, deep trance. Yeah, he, he does bite her, and there's this funny scene where he comes in to her room, but then the crucifix is on the bed, and he's like, ah, you know, he pulls up his cape, and he's trying to hide from it. And then, and then of course, Marta rolls over, and the crucifix falls on the floor, and he's like, aha, now I can, I can, I can get her. <laughs> yes. Remember when the two vampires were in that study, and the uh, gardener maintenance guy came in, and he was wearing a cross, and they both yeah. were like, oh, no, and they had to pull away. I'm surprised over the years no one ever noticed that. You think about yeah, it. I mean, I know. That's kind of because a lot of people would be wearing crucifixes. I would, I would, I would think. think so, but I, I just can't get over how well-dressed Count Duval was. He, I thought they did an excellent job of opening the uh, coffin, and then he would get out of it, and he looked like he just stepped out of the pages of Gentleman's Quarterly. And I love that cape. I think that's the best cape I've ever seen in a vampire movie. He, it was good. Oh and man, he had like a necklace around, and he looked, and he got this really nice white pressed shirt, and yeah, he was well dressed. No kidding, and never, never ruffled at all. I, I can't, I can't watch these movies without thinking about the Leslie Nielsen uh, vampire. <laughs> though it's just he's such. <laughs> oh my, that's too bad. That's from the '80s, or we could add it to our collection. I know. I know that that's a damn. Well, Marta finds Marta. I think I think this is after she's bit, or no, maybe it's no. I think it is after she's bit, but she finds out that her aunt uh, Maria, or no, sorry, her aunt Eloisa is a vampire because she catches her in a mirror and there's nothing there. It's just like Eloisa's like moving things around on the table, but. There's nobody in the mirror actually moving them. They're just sort of floating around in the air. I know that was a and, shock for Marta. Wow! And then she she and doctor she tells Doctor Enrique and I think yeah doc, they're supposed to meet Duval because he's like supposed his character is supposed to be visiting the estate and he's supposed to be like this visiting dignitary and they get together for drinks yeah. and then I think they might have drugged they might have drugged uh, Marta but they. She passes out, and then it looks like she's dead. But I think it was the influence of the vampires that is at work, and um, they do they do figure out that she's not dead though, and they're able to bring her back to life. 
and it turns out that her aunt was her her uh, the woman that we see at the beginning is not dead either. Right. Yeah. And and that that's uh, one of the other characters. Anselmo is it Anselmo who had called Doctor Duval? No, sorry, who had called Doctor Enrique to come to the, or was it Emilio? Let me see here. Emilio, sorry. So Emilio had called Doctor Enrique, and, and so now Emilio is revealing the secret that her aunt isn't actually dead, and that she needs help because they think she's going crazy, and she tells them that it's a vampire. And malditos polvos. Así, yo despertaría en la tumba y moriría de asfixia y de terror dentro de un ataúd. Pero yo me di cuenta a tiempo. Nada de lo de ellos es un secreto para mí. Los he oído hablar a través de los túneles. Un día, ellos descubrieron mi espionaje y quisieron matarme. Son vampiros, los dos. El maldito ha venido a desenterrar a ese al que está en la cripta. La única forma de acabar con ellos es matándolos mientras duermen, enterándoles una estaca de madera en el pecho. Hazme caso antes que sea demasiado tarde. No estoy loca. No, no estoy loca. Tengo miedo. No estoy loca. No, no estoy loca. Doctor Enrique doesn't believe her, um, but he certainly comes to believe her <laughs> by the end of the yes. movie. <laughs> you know when when we see the big confrontation between Duval and Doctor uh, Enrique, and they have that fight. Yeah, they did all of that themselves. There were no stunt doubles involved in that. Oh, I wondered about that. I just, oh, weird. It's okay. a, I mean, it was so well done because it had a modern feel to it. And a lot of those films from the fifties, forties, and earlier, you know right away that there's a stunt stunt double doing the action, but not in this case. They got right with it, yeah. and even in the fight, yeah, because the the guy, the count was appropriately and and dapper in his in his attire. Right, because there was yeah they had a big sword fight and then yeah. they were like punching each other and there was one scene where Doctor Duval like went flying back and he looked like he hit his head yeah and I was like that really looks like him and yeah so I guess it was them but then the 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 thing that happens in a lot of vampire movies happens which is the sun comes up and uh, and we know that in case we're not clear on it because that rooster crows it's like 
<laughs> it's like get a get a really loud cock-a-doodle-doo just in case people aren't sure what's going on. I almost laughed so then, at that because it was so loud. Well, you know what? Another thing that I remember now about that fight scene was that it looked like they actually set the the set on fire. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I and that fire looked like it was barely under control. It was really it was either really well done and it was totally under control or they were on the verge of burning they themselves. They were really up. on the verge of <laughs> totally. I, I'm I'm convinced that it was probably under control, but it so it looked like like I say, the production values on this are really excellent. They really yeah, are. So Doctor Enrique saves Marta at the at the last second because the fight happens when he bursts in on uh, Duval trying to get that second bite on her neck, and so uh, Maria uh, Marta is saved and. And then we cut to a scene where the aunt is sneaking around with, and she finds the crypt where Duval is resting, and she finds a giant stake, and she stakes him through the heart. Boy, she really did, too. <laughs> I, I noticed <laughs> there must have been some kind of production code at the time because they didn't really show the, the actual graphic of what she was doing, but I think it was better the way they did it. You kind of imagined just how awful that would be. And she didn't give up. I mean, she was she was going to make sure the job was done. And that as soon as he's done, then the other vampire turns to a skeleton, which again was a really well done uh, scene. She melted yeah, so away. That's That kind of supports your theory that she's been around for a really long time because she basically just turned to dust practically. I know. So... I wonder if she'd been more of a recent vampire, if maybe she wouldn't have de decayed as much as she did. Ah, we'll never, we'll never know. Yeah. I, I, you know, the other thing I think, the Hammer films were big on, on showing the drama and the sensualness and the horror of some of these things. And I think they took it one step further, you know, in the, in the death of the mummy or the Dracula in a Hammer film. You got to see the whole thing. But I remember watching Hammer films when I was in high school in Lewistown and then in college in Boulder because they were coming out like, oh, I don't know, three, four a year. And I always went. So I think I've seen almost all of them. And they, they do, they, they combine Technicolor and uh, lots of gore. I did. I would be. I would be remiss if I didn't talk just for a minute about Marta, the actress that played Marta Erdian. I, I don't. I don't know how to pronounce her first name. Welter. Er, er, Erdne. Erdne. Welter. Her sister was very popular in the uh, U.S. film industry. Linda Christian and uh, was married. Her sister was. Uh, I, I looked her up. She was married to Tyrone Power. And had, and had a quite a good career, did a lot of television work. Uh, but I thought that, that Marta was, was a beautiful woman who did a really excellent job in that role. She was very believable. I thought the music was uh, well-matched to it also. Gustavo, Gustavo Caron. It reminded, it, the music reminded me of the music in the Hammer films. I give the film a seven. Yeah, I'd probably give it a seven as well. It, it was really fun and had a lot of great moments that I like to see in vampire movies. So I'll probably watch it again, and I would definitely recommend folks check it out. Well, now that I know the name of that other film, I'm going to try to watch The Curse of Nostradamus. That ought to be great. 
Yeah, so up next we have four films that were chosen by our patron, uh, Arthur Schoolco. And those movies are Soylent Green, 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Time Machine, and the last one is War of the Worlds, the original movie from the 50s. So yeah, that's what's coming up next, and thanks to Arthur for those selections, and he'll be joining us on that, that, on that episode uh, about Soylent Green as well. What's, what's nice about those four films that uh, our guest Arthur selected, all of them are available from, Net, from Netflix DVD service, uh, and they're probably available from other sources as well. So the four are Soylent Green, Time Machine, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and War of the Worlds from 1953 with Gene Barry fighting off the invaders. Well, that was our review of El Vampiro, and this is Matt coming to you from North Bend. And here in Los Angeles, Bob uh, wishing everybody happy movie watching and happy Halloween. Halloween.